from the left wing. Holy mackerel. I like to get high. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Hello. Two-hand jam hanging on the rim, bringing down the house. What's the quarterback's name? Barkley. Oh, that's as well. This time, Anthony Barr will record the sack. Man, I didn't even know you was a rapper until you came back looking like that. Jump sides on me, now you about to meet Westbrook. Go oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> Russell Westbrook flying to the rim. What is going on, everybody? It's a beautiful Saturday night here in Los Angeles. Nick Pope calling the, uh, still without a name and still without permission to actually be doing this, but somewhat we're here. We did not get executed in the week that we did the last one, so I'm No one yelled good. at us. Do you think anybody actually noticed? Probably not. Because if they noticed, they might have yelled at us. Is, there, is uh, Tim following you on Twitter? Or no. me on? T- he might be following me on Twitter. And me. I did retweet our last show. Yeah, you Uh-oh. did. All right, anyways, on to more important things this week, and we're talking, of course, about Lonzo and his dad, LeVar, which is what everybody wants to keep hearing about, but we're only five days away from the NBA draft. Uh, this is the last time we'll be recording before the draft, but a lot to get to. By the way, happy Father's Day, everyone. Before we start, happy Father's Day to your father, my father. Happy Father's Day to you, Colin. Thank you. Of course, my child at home, he's doing well. I don't have a child at home. Happy Father's Day to everyone. Happy Father's Day to a good father, a great father, LeVar Ball. A great father. A great father. I'm going to say he's a great father. I know he says some ridiculous things, but happy Father's Day to the LeVar Ball. And to honor him, we have a little commercial that we would like to play for you. Dad's are special. So many memories. All those games of one-on-one in the driveway where he let me win. Of course, there's that big day when your dad berates your high school coach in front of an entire crowd for not getting you enough touches. Or that special moment when your dad sits you down and tells you where you're going to college. Copyright your name to make it a part of a family lifestyle brand. Went on first take and shouted back and forth with Stephen A. Smith about how you're already better than the reigning league MVP. All those interviews from the stands during college games, the public spats with the all-time great soundbite after soundbite to the national media, and then tells 29 out of 30 teams to not bother drafting you. And fishing, we went fishing a lot. This is a great idea by Lonzo because a lot of people are not in his corner. Most people are mad at him because of LeVar or mad at their family because of LeVar. But a lot of people have now turned that into Lonzo anger. So I think it was a brilliant idea. One commercial changed the minds of a lot of people. It made him look a lot more likable. And Foot Locker does a good job of this. Because you remember when Foot Locker had the D'Angelo Russell commercial where D'Angelo just grabbed the phone and just threw it out, out of the window after uh, his spat with Nick Young That's and right. Snapchat. So that was alluding to that. Now this time, Lonzo Ball is able to make fun of his dad. We've never heard him say anything or make fun of his dad. He was able to do this in a, a nice joking way with while still being respectful. <laughs> and then he comes out with a piece in the Players' Tribune, really an ode, a very nice piece to his father, uh, just thanking him for all that he's done. Yeah. See, I'm not as high on that as a lot of people are. I like the commercial. The commercial was brilliant. In fact, uh, you alluded to that D'Angelo Russell thing. The Lakers aren't winning a ton of games right now, but we easily get the best Foot Locker commercials, making fun of ourselves. But regardless, I was a big fan of the commercial, but the Players' Tribune article I thought was a little bit much. I understand that Lonzo and his dad's relationship is, you know, only he really knows what the true nature of it is, but I think he was kind of ignoring the way his dad's come on, off to certain people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with that. But I do think 
it was very genuine. I think there is a father-son relationship where there is love and respect and admiration. And yes, LeVar has, you know, lit the fire under a lot of different people, under a lot of different personalities, under different players. But Lonzo Ball still respects his father. And I think it came off well in that piece. Now, a lot of people are saying, hey, is this a PR piece to kind of Yes. Say, uh, yeah, you know, LeVar is, is. it is, but I'm going to give Lonzo the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to say, hey, that was a nice piece written to your father. It's Father's Day and it's the appropriate time to do that. Okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Last week, Lonzo and LeVar were on SportsCenter. And we promise we'll talk about other things other than LeVar Ball later. But just to get this out of the way, there's an interview he was on with SportsCenter. And he said some things, we'll listen to him in a second, about how his sons are expected to act towards their mother. And here are those comments right here. But I told him this, if you're going to be disrespectful to your mom, I want you to be all the time. So, excuse my language right here. But if you want to say, good morning, that's fine with me. I'm not going to say nothing. So don't wait till you need something or you need her to make you something. Now you want to be nice to her. I want you to be mean forever and we good. Doesn't sound great. Now, Jeff Goodman, who was doing the interview, tried to go back and, you know, kind of clarify what LeVar said. But it sounded really, really bad. So... All I'm saying is, if you're LeVar, did you take that incident, and maybe I'm giving him too much credit for having self-awareness here, but if you're LeVar, do you take the response that was taken from that interview and then kind of to, I don't know, kind of ease the storm a little bit, have Alonzo write that piece? You know what? To me, I had no problem with the comments Mm -hmm. that he made. Now, he doesn't come off across as someone who... Uh, says the the politically correct thing, obviously, and always. But I, I get or, where his or heart... Ever. Or ever. But I get where his heart is coming from. Uh, there was the comment where, obviously, he said, you could call your mother whatever you want, right? Right. But if you are ever sick, if you ever are hungry, don't look to me to help you. That's going to be your mother. And I think there is a certain amount of, hey, you better respect her because she is the one who takes care of you. That's what I got from him. I didn't get, oh, yeah, you have the right to call your mother a name. I think he was he was trying to say, you know what? You better respect your mother at all costs. And I do think all three boys respect both of their parents. I, I don't think that they call the mother a name like that. I'm not saying they do. And I'm not, like, I'm not saying anything bad about, you know, how he parents his kids. I mean, everybody's had this kind of discussion. We don't need to go any deeper into that kind of issue. But... When you're LeVar, and now you're the head of a, as he would call it, a billion-dollar company in Big Baller brand. a $3 billion company. Triple Bs is going to cost you one of them to sign Lonzo, right? Those are his quotes. If you're LeVar and you're in charge of that brand, to go and say those types of insensitive comments, when you already have had pretty pretty poor PR here to this point, I just thought it was really... Really dumb, and I, that's what I think the Players Tribune article came from. I don't think he would have wrote that two weeks ago. Hey, he's just being honest, you know. When he comes out and he says, "Yes, he's had to discipline his children," there was a lot of backlash. I see no problem with that, you know. When children are young, I I see no problem with disciplining your child. I myself was disciplined as a child, and that's how I learned. You know, when you're really young, that's how you learn to respect your father, your mother. And, hey, we have a lot of kids out of control now. So when you see Lonzo Ball, who had a 4.0 as a a high school student who went to UCLA and is about to enter into this draft, I have to give it up to LeVar. He's done a good job. So you like the player's tribune piece, though. That's what we're getting at. 
I did. I really did. I, I thought it was heartfelt. I thought it was genuine. And I thought that Lonzo Ball really has this special relationship with his father and is grateful for everything his father has done. And like he said, not everyone has either has their father there or has their father in the picture involved, really involved with not only sports, but just everyday life, making breakfast for him at his school event, you know, pushing him to get good grades. That's something that's important. And that's something that not every kid has growing up. So to highlight that from Lonzo Ball and to put that in the, the article, that was huge. And, and it, it speaks volumes. Right. And to be clear, if, if LeVar was thinking like I'm saying he was, brilliant move by him because it's the first thing he's done where people have been like, oh, universally, I, I like this. I don't think this is controversial at all. It's great. A little bit self-deprecating. Do you also think it's LeVar maybe covering himself in terms of appealing to other teams in the league? Do you think he's a little... We're going to talk about more about this in a second, but there's been a little wavering as to whether or not the Lakers are going to take Lonzo. We've heard some Josh Jackson talk. I think you and I both agree that's a lot of smoke. But do you think it's LeVar kind of thinking, uh, I don't know, maybe he's getting a little paranoid? You know maybe what, again... To, maybe he's trying to look a little again, bit... Again, like you said, there's smoke screens. I, they have to know they're going to the Lakers. They have to know this pick is set in stone. They have to know that Lonzo Ball has been the pick... Ever since he put on that UCLA uniform, like he said, I'm going to speak it into existence <laughs> and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So, you know what? I, a lot of people are saying, yes, this this commercial, this Players Tribune article, it's PR. It's something that was manufactured up. But again, I'm going to go with the genuine. It was heartfelt. Uh, the commercial. Yeah, I actually like the Tribune piece a little bit better than the commercial. The commercial to me seemed like, oh, you know, he, he's being self-deprecating. He's. He's, that might have been a little PR move, but to me, the father, and maybe I'm just a sucker for good Father's Day written articles, but I believed in Lonzo Ball, and I believed that he really does love his father. I believed him too. The question is, Colin, do we still believe that he will go second to the Lakers? We'll talk more about that in a second. This is AM570 LA Sports. And welcome back to Bruins Talk, Bruins Roundtable, Bruins whatever we want to call it. We don't have a name for it yet. We have a name coming very soon. We though. have a name Probably by the time we in the works. This. When we publish this, we'll have a name. Okay. But again. Not right now. Again, it's not here right now, but we will have a name. <laughs> so welcome back. And we wanted to talk about the report that Adrian Wojnarowski, he dropped that Woj bomb. Oh. He dropped that Woj bomb saying, hey, Mark L. Fultz, he's going to be working out with the 76ers actually this afternoon. Hey. There might be a trade. It's actually, they're deep, deep in trade talks. What does this mean for not only the Lakers, but Lonzo Ball? Well, first of all, it means the Celtics will have our 2018 pick, which is only top one protected. So in all likelihood, unless we're really, really bad again next year, and by we, I mean the Lakers, uh, and God willing that we will not be that bad next year. And you, you don't think we will be. But uh, that means the Celtics will take that, get that pick in that trade. I'm very, very surprised that Boston's even considering this. All we've heard about is how good Markel Fultz is going to be. And look, if they're lining up to try to go get Josh Jackson, Josh Jackson's going to be outstanding. This is one of the most loaded draft classes. I mean, people are saying this. This is one of the most loaded draft classes we've seen in years. But Fultz has been regarded as a immediate 18 points per game score in the league. Those don't come out very often. He's also been regarded as a guy who can play one or two. So he can play with Isaiah Thomas. And then when IT's done in a couple of years, Fultz can slide right back into the point guard. It made so much sense for what they needed. I'm very, very surprised that they're even considering this. 
So the tweet that Wojnarowski just put out, discussions have centered on the Sixers sending 2017 number three, the 2018 Lakers pick, like Ayo. you said, but possibly the 2021st first round pick, including complicated protections. Of course, the uh, protected uh, first round 2018 Lakers pick that they have. But if you add that 2021 first pick, does that push them over to say, hey, we love Markel Fultz, but again, Josh Jackson, we love him too. And to be able to get not only this third round pick, but future, fir- I mean, this, this number three pick, but future and also future first round picks, does that, is that why Boston's pulling the trigger? I think it is. I think they're looking at it. And Danny Ainge loves those assets and he's been criticized for it. He's also been kind of heralded for it. And the fact that he loves piling up assets for his team and for his franchise. It's worked, but- right? It's worked for them. Has it? Hey, we they, haven't really seen it work yet. What have they turned those assets into? Well, they Jalen Brown. Right. Hey, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's the that the goal is to win, and they've put themselves in the position to win. Now, yes, they've had to deal with Cleveland and LeBron. But if Cleveland and LeBron aren't there, if that 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 super team, which I call it a super team, isn't there, they might have might have been in the finals this year. And they would have lost to Golden State, but they might have been in the finals this year. So bringing this back to how this affects UCLA basketball. Um, I don't think it really impacts Lonzo where he's going to go because I think it's pretty clear Philly's going to take Fultz if they're up at number one. I don't think there's much discussion because the way they're going to use Ben Simmons, or at least they plan to use Ben Simmons, and they've talked about this, is we want to use him in a point forward role. So Lonzo, that makes no sense to mix him in with. But it is kind of interesting, and I'll, and I'll also say disappointing because if this trade does go through, and by the time we publish this, it might be true already. And we're, so we're going to act like the Sixers have already traded because what Woj and Zach Lowe are reporting is that they're in very serious talks. It's pointing to signs that this is happen. going to happen. I'm kind of disappointed because if Fultz had gone to the Celtics, there would have been a rivalry with the Lakers and Celtics. Maybe I'm a little sentimental with that 30 for 30 that came oh, out. Oh, was, wasn't week, that a great 30 for 30? These guys, I, it was outstanding. I think it's kind of, you know, kind of increased you know my, my feelings towards this is that I really wanted to see Fultz play for the Celtics and Lonzo playing for the Lakers after watching that I just hate the Celtics even more all right I, I want to go and give Danny Ainge a, <laughs> <laughs> a punch in the face well, how, well a close neck to the a clothesline to the neck how like he this? did to Kurt Rambis that was kind of the other thing is that Fultz and Ball there's already kind of some rumblings of a little bit of disdain between the two because Fultz didn't like how much Lonzo talked, and Lonzo had those comments. He said, I'm by far the best player in the draft, and that's what you're supposed to say, but with the media atmosphere we have now, that was regarded as a shot. So there's already a little bit of stuff between those guys going on in terms of them not liking each other. The, the biggest problem I have with this, if you're Boston, again, and, and just to go outside the UCLA basketball world and into like Fultz and how he fits in, if you're Boston, when do you, when do you cash in on these picks? And the other thing is, do you think Josh Jackson is really equal to what Lonzo and Fultz are? Because last year was a two-prospect draft, but it was nobody else. This year, it was it's the best two players are Lonzo and Markel, but three through seven or three through eight even are, are all-star potential easily, right? Now, could you see this? I want to jump in. and Could you see this as being, hey, we want this pick, this third pick, and, and those other picks, we might make a trade. Go out and get a Jimmy Butler. Go out and get a Paul George. Make our team even better with an established star. We want to. We want this now. You know, we want to get to the finals now. And hey, Cleveland with LeBron getting a year older, we'll be able to possibly compete with them. Especially, especially if we can bring in 
an established star like Jimmy Butler or even a Paul George? Do you think that is why they're going out and getting the, these assets, building these first-round assets to say, hey, we'll, we'll get these so we can go out and get a star? That's interesting, and I wish they would finally do it because it would make the Eastern Conference a little bit more interesting. But I don't know. If you watch the Eastern Conference Finals and you're Boston, do you determine that you're a Gordon Hayward or Jimmy Butler type player away from beating the Cavs? I think they are. I don't think they're as far off as, as people think they are. And I think the Cavs are going to start to – I think the wheels are about to fall off a little bit. Not, you know, They're not going to be a bad team, but they're not going to be as dominant as they were the past couple of seasons. But if you're Boston, do you decide that if we flip these assets for Jimmy Butler and get a Gordon Hayward, you absolutely do that. But if not – do you just keep kind of trotting along with the team we got plus a top draft pick every year until we finally, you know, reach that next era of Celtic basketball? I don't think it's the right call. With that being said, however, if you look at the Sixers and their potential roster they're going to have, they're going to have Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, Robert Covington, Rocco, who's really created a good spot for himself in Philly, Dario Saric, who's probably going to win Rookie of the Year, and Joel Embiid, who would have won Rookie of the Year if he played more than 30 games. If I'm Fultz, I am absolutely psyched right now about going to Philly. I know Boston's a better team. You get a chance to play more important games, at least at the beginning of your career. But if you're Fultz, this team is loaded. The, the future is-, is looking bright for them, right? The future is looking bright. They, they're putting on sunglasses because it's so bright. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be unbelievable. So... You know, Fultz, and it'd be going to be a completely different situation for him than it was at Washington because he's going to be playing with a bunch of young players who are actually really good. So just to bring this full circle when it comes to this, I don't know. If you're Fultz, are you happier you might go to Philly than go to Boston? Maybe, because he he has often said to trust the process. I've heard Fultz say it. He said He says it in his sleep. He says, trust the process. And like you said, Philadelphia is stacked. They have an abundant amount of young talent, including Sarik and Joel Embiid, who showed out last year. I mean, Embiid exceeded expectations. A lot of people said he's talented, but the injuries, you don't know, he might be slower. And last year, he exceeded expectations. And you had Ben Simmons, who hasn't even played a year yet. But uh, what we saw in Summer League... Or a game. We haven't seen seen him play a game. But what we saw in Summer League was the kid has elite vision. He grew a couple inches because, oh, I don't know, out of, the, out of college, he was only 19. So he grew some inches. He has elite vision. And, and then you add, like you said, uh, Rocco, the shooter, Robocop, as I like to call him. That, that doesn't make sense. Rocco, Robocop. But he can shoot the lights out. And then you add a TJ McConnell that... No, that, we don't have to add him. You don't like no, TJ? No, I don't no, like I don't. TJ either. No, how could you like TJ McConnell? But he's a heck of a player. Yeah, okay. He's a heck of a player. Yeah, yeah, he played for the Sixers. Oh, he gets in your grill with that defense, and he, he puts his hands all over the place. Oh, he's a gym rat. He, he does is a gym rat. don't show up in the box score. He's a he's a scrapper. He's one of those scrappy guys, right? <laughs> okay, this is all code for something. It's code but, for something, but I can tell you one thing. He's not that athletic, and he might be a little slow, slow-footed. Now, one part of these reports that kind of ties into where Lonzo and the Lakers are at and real quickly here, before we move on to some other Bruins in the draft, is um, there were some other reports, some other minor reports that were sprouting up last night about Magic being in love with Markel Fultz. Now, that's smoke interesting. Screen. But how could that be a smokescreen, though? How could that be a smokescreen? That literally makes no sense. That's well, the only thing I'm worried about. Like Magic's Oh, that in he's, love inter- he's in love with Markel Fultz. He's in love with Markel Fultz. Not interested, not intrigued, 
in love with Markel Fultz. That does that mean the Lakers want to make a trade with either the Celtics or now they the Seventy Sixers? Do that? Come on. Do they want to trade? Uh, Ju- the report yesterday said they wanted to trade Julius Randle and this pick for Markel Fultz. Does that make sense to trade Julius Randle, who we haven't seen touch his potential, and a pick and our pick to move up one spot? That doesn't make sense to me. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't think the difference between Markel and Lonzo in terms of their ceiling is that different. Why would you give up something? Now, I agree. Julius Randle, again, and we'll, we'll move on in a second here from this, but Julius Randle, you're going to have to pay him in a year if you're the Lakers. So that's the trade piece you want to give up anyways because I'm not convinced they want to pay him the money he can get on the open market because uh, in today's NBA, everybody, if you've ever stepped foot in a court not breaking, broken your ankle a bunch of times, you get paid. Um, but if you're the Lakers... I don't know why you put this report out. I don't know what Magic's thinking. I don't think Fultz fits as well with the Lakers roster, or at least their young nucleus right now, as Lonzo does. Just kind of weird. So I'm not buying it either, but it is a weird story. Maybe he just said he loves his game, and then some reporter took that and said, hey, he loves his He's game. He's in love. He's in love, and they're going to trade. Some reporter probably just took it and ran with it, like Usain Bolt. That's what he did. But have you seen, by the way, have you seen Julius Randle? And how ripped he got over the offseason? It looks like me when I work He out. does. Yeah. I've seen you with your shirt off, and he definitely looks like well, you. Well, that's what we, we have group meetings here at 570 where everybody takes their shirts off, and it's, it's very It's weird. normal. But here's the thing is, I like that he took... Not everybody should be a part of it at the station. Not Especially not me and Petros. <laughs> but he took that note from Magic who said, hey, these guys got to get in shape. Remember when Magic said that last year? He said... Which is interesting for Magic to be saying. Oh, don't that, do that. that don't do that. Magic, he's he's magic. <laughs> he was in shape when he played. He's not in shape anymore. He's in shape but he when was, he played. Oh, my god. He gosh. was in shape when he played. But he said these players need to get in better shape. And Julius Randle took it to heart. And he looks like the Hulk. He's ready. He's ready to go. Uh, we are ready to go to talk a little bit more about some other UCLA Bruins at the end of the draft. We've talked a lot about you know the guys that moving at the top of the draft. But there are... Two former UCLA Bruins, excuse me, three former UCLA Bruins, but one you might not be thinking of that are shooting up draft boards right now. We'll talk about that in a second. This is AM570 LA Sports. And welcome back. Nick Pope calling ye our Bruins Insider Show. We still don't have the name, but we'll get to it. It's not Bruins Insider Show. It's not. We're inside the AM570 studio. It's not Bruins Insider. It's not Bruins Roundtable. It's going to be Bruins something or something Something that sources have told me, Jonathan Schultz and a lot of sources have told me it's going to be something, something. And are that's taking, all I could say. Are you taking a shot at the guy we talked about last week? His name is Jordan no. Schultz, first of all. Jordan that, that's Schultz. what I said. I said Jordan. No, no, no. You said Jonathan Schultz. Jonathan you, Schultz. Jordan Schultz. Where he works? He's a Bleacher Report guy. No, he's not. He was the Huffington Post. He's a Huffington Post Colin, guy. Did you not listen to the episode six times? I, I didn't, actually. Oh, I listened my to it gosh. twice. That's all I I'm listening to. Twice. to. Oh my gosh, dude. But so, You're killing so, me. So it was really good. But today, tonight, we want to talk about the other Bruins. This isn't all about Lonzo Ball. No, there are other Bruins going in this draft. Two, possibly three, who might go in the first. Okay, we'll say two well, are going to go in the first round. The third one, probably going to go in the second round. Right. So who are these guys, Nick? Well, quiz me because it's not Bryce Alford. Because he's Isaac, not oh no, it's not Isaac it's not Hamilton. Isaac. So Jared Smith, Gerald no. Smith, no, Gerald's a walk-on. Oh. Is, it, is it Corey Alford? Ah, uh, Corey with his red, 
his red hair. I know he's been an assistant coach on. Oh, the that Brewers red hair looks so years. good on Corey. Um, how is it? Uh, is it Tony Parker? Did he take a year off and now he's in the NBA? That's, hey, TP has that big body, kind of a Zebo like player. That's pretty generous to to Tony Parker. Yeah, is it so, him? So, so no, it's not. It's not him. Wait a I'm second. I'm going to quiz you. It, and right now on Draft Express. So we know it's TJ and EK because we TJ saw them this EK. year. They played this year, right? Both freshmen, okay. and they are projected on Draft Express to go twenty and twenty-one. They have TJ Leaf going to Portland. With the twentieth pick mm. and Ike Anibogu going Ike where? Ike Anibogu going twenty first to the Thunder, playing with his uh, uh, fellow Bruin Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Only about nine years apart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, let's talk more about that in a second. Who is this mystery Bruin? So our mystery Bruin. I don't know if everyone remembers him, but he sat out oh, his first I, year. I know. Do it's you remember the, it's him? the Wear Twins? Oh, remember when they play? Hey, they were playing for the Knicks and the Kings. <laughs> it's not the Wear Twins. Is it? Uh, Oh, remember Reeves Nelson? He uh, he is actually he, is he out he, of jail? No, no, he played in China. And now oh. he's getting ready to come back in the draft. Reeves Nelson. That's good. I didn't know he was on parole. How about Roll? Michael Roll. Oh, he could shoot the ball. I thought his eligibility ran out in two thousand. Oh, Roll was oh. Roll was a dead eye from three. No, it's actually he sat out his first year. He was coming off the bench in UCLA's horrible year, which was two years ago, and then he moved and played in Europe this past year. It's Jonah Bolden, the Who? Australian. Who is that? Jonah Bolden, the six foot ten <laughs> junior. He would be a junior. He played on Radniki Basket. Well, they're good. You uh, know what I say about obviously Radniki Basket, one of the great European league teams. He has a seven three foot wingspan though, so he was a stud with uh, the baskets. Is that what they're called? The kind of the shorthand name, the baskets. Well, you know what they say about the Radniki Baskets. If you play for them. He played in Europe last year. That's 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 what people say about that. And that's where Jokic played in in that same league with the baskets. Sarik played in that same league. So there's been oh. some talent. Wait, so DraftExpress.com they're saying that Jonah Bolden might get picked in the draft. Yeah, that's really surprising to me because when you watched him at UCLA in all seriousness a couple of years ago, like did any part of his game scream, "Oh my God, NBA draft pick"? I, Not I at all. I don't Not think a, so. He was he was he stood at the top of the zone with his length. And to try to disrupt those passing passing lanes. That was what Jonah Bolden did with that seven three foot wingspan. But what he didn't have was an offensive game. He had no moves. He couldn't shoot the ball, couldn't shoot the three, and he was a liability on offense for well, most of that season. He was referred to as a project his whole time at UCLA. He actually was supposed to play in the 2014-2015 season, but then it was ruled he was ineligible for that because NCAA is stupid. So he sits that year out. All right, whatever. He comes back, plays that year, and it was like kind of one of those things where they had to like really like, you know, ease him into the lineup, walk him through the the plays. If we had plays that year, I don't remember them running plays that year. Probably so not. It was it to Bryce. It was the Bryce play. Give it to Bryce, and he's gonna put his head his head down. Right. Exactly. Or shoot a three. One and Jonah would just come in and he would play well. He'd do a couple things. He'd be like, okay, but nothing NBA worthy, right? Like, not at I all. Didn't think so. And so Draft Express, we're believing them. They have him at 43 overall, going to the Houston Rockets. So how would he fit in with this Rockets team? I, you know, he, he can run the floor, and he's long, he's athletic. So, hey, if he gets picked by the Rockets, he might be a nice little piece that, come, that can come in and contribute. But, but people are not talking about him just contributing. No, an article just came out saying that he's a second-round talent 
who is hidden in that second round and is possibly a lottery-type talent? Is well, that the article that came out? There's an article in The Ringer posted a couple days ago, and this is by Jonathan Turks, not Jordan Turks. Jonathan Turks. Or Jordan Schultz. Or Jordan, Jonathan Schultz. Jonathan Turks, who works for The TheRinger.com, uh, obviously Bill Simmons' uh, website, and with really good NBA draft coverage to every year, really good NBA coverage in general, but really, really solid NBA draft coverage as well. Um, he basically wrote an article saying that Jonah Bolden is the hidden gem in the second round of the lottery. And I have a friend who works for the Clippers who showed me that a couple days ago. And I said, I, you know, this guy sounds like a great writer or whatever, but I think he's on drugs because Jonah Bolden couldn't play in, in college. He, he was this eighth guy on a UCLA team that didn't make the tournament. I, I know the NBA draft's all about potential, but come on, you got to show me something. Are you right? sure this isn't a smoke screen? I. <laughs> There's been so many smoke screens. I don't think it is because no. I, I think I remember seeing his name at like 59 or 60 a couple of weeks ago in some of these mock drafts. You're thinking, oh, okay, maybe he'll get drafted. Maybe he'll have a nice D league run, then go play over Europe. You know, whatever. Yeah, those Rockets, but, they're trying to throw off the Knicks because the Knicks have a 44th pick. It's it's and they're apparently going to take Dylan Brooks. It's not so easy. I, oh, jeez. I think this is a smoke screen. It's not easy to throw off the Knicks. But what's interesting about that Rockets fit is what do the Rockets like to do besides not play defense? Shoot threes. And Jonah Bolton at UCLA could not shoot threes. But this Jonathan Turks article, I encourage everybody to read it. On the Ringer, basically talks about how Jonah Bolden has become this three point machine. And my friend who works for the Clippers the other day, I uh, you know. It's pretty high Sources up there. Have it's said up there he's guys. a source. It's Jerry West. No, it's not Jerry West, but uh, too soon. He showed me a bunch of clips of Jonah Bolden highlights from this year, and he was knocking down everything. Now, I know it's the highlights. I know it's YouTube, so everybody looks good on there, but like he looked like a totally different player. So I don't know what was it. Like What happened to him? Like Because he was ruled academically ineligible before the season started. God, he would have been great for this UCLA team, even though Gigi ended up stepping up in the end, but like another body when EK got into foul trouble like he did most games or like I don't know when Gigi was hurt like Jonah Bolden would have been great this year so you kind of think about what happened and it looks like he's developed his game a ton since we last saw him it's the water in Europe I'm telling you the water actually is scientifically proven to help you shoot better anytime you go in, in Europe you drink that water it is so pure it is so clean it has your three going in every single time and that's that's the only explanation I have for Bolden shooting well. So, the fit with the Rockets, <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that you said that. The fit with the Rockets, I think, makes a lot of sense if he has improved his three-point game because you've seen other guys like Clint Capella that have gone there uh, that have been kind of referred to as projects, uh, if that's the right word, and have you know actually played well for them. And if Jordan Bolden can hit the three consistently, then that's the spot for him. But going back to the Super Runes that we actually remembered, TJ and EK, there's a lot of talk about EK's potential in the draft. I remember when he ran out there, you know, opposite to Jonah Bolton, everybody said NBA prospect, and you could see it immediately. That guy jumps to the building. That guy's going to play in the NBA for a while. EK to OKC doesn't make a ton of sense to me. They right? have a center already. His name's Steven Adams. They have two centers. They have Steve Adams, and they have Enos Cantor. They need shooting. Or Enos Cantor. They don't need another guy coming off the bench and rebounding who doesn't have any they need shooting. Game. You're, they you're, need you're exactly right. They need perimeter shooting. That's what they didn't have. Now, Ike, maybe he goes here and he takes over that backup center role because they need someone who's athletic. They need a defender. Uh, he, he would work really well with Russell Westbrook in the pick and roll, but you're, you're totally right. This doesn't make sense for the Thunder. Now, who has the pick after the Thunder? Uh, the Nets. Maybe he fits on the nets, but 
um, where they have him going right now, that 21st spot, uh, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense. All I know is that wherever EK goes, he's going to make an impact on the NBA team. And I think he might be a project in the beginning, but he can become a DeAndre Jordan-like player, an Andre Drummond-like player because he jumps out of the, out of the gym. He has a seven foot six wingspan. Let, let me I'm say that again: seven the, foot six wingspan. I'm not denying all the attributes here. The Thunder, what became painfully obvious in that series against the Rockets, was that you needed more shooting. Also, needed Russell Westbrook. He's my favorite player in the league, but you needed him to pass more. That's what you need. That's uh, not happening. Um, now, TJ Leaf uh, with Portland. Where do you see his fit? He he can do it all. He, I he love, can score the basketball. He can rebound well. He passes pretty well. And he has a perimeter shot. How does he fit in with that Portland Trailblazers offense? Well, first of all, I love the system that Portland has already. Their GM, Neil Olshay, used to be the GM for the Clippers. They should have never have let him go. They do a great job of developing players. Now, they've ended up making some mistakes paying some of those guys like Alan Crabb. Uh, but they've done a great job in developing players. TJ fits in really well because TJ can come in immediately and give him a low post scoring option. So if you... He probably wouldn't start right away, but him playing with Nurkic in a couple Nurkic. Of years. Oh, man. I don't know. If you keep Dame and CJ McCollum there, it seems like a really good fit. And with TJ, it's interesting because people talk about his defensive or, you know, he's not the greatest defender on the team. Maybe UCLA as a whole this year wasn't the greatest defensive team. Is, I was think, he one of the three slow footed guys that he's uh, one of the three Lamar white guys? That, he's one of the three white guys that gave up. Oh, you don't have to put race into it. I, I just heard slow footed guys. He was one of the three white guys that uh, gave up 39 points to De'Aaron Fox. But. Uh, with TJ, I think Terry Stotts could make him into a solid defensive player. And I like the way he would grow under a coach like that. Because Terry Stotts looks like he's going to be in Portland for a while. I watched him get fired because I just jinxed it. But it looks like he'll be there for a while. I think that'd be a really good spot And he for him. fits in the dreams of Bill Walton, who is <laughs> who is like TJ's second dad. Bill played and won a championship with Portland. And now TJ is following in his footsteps. It's going to be great. Well, well, one more thing. TJ is is going to be Bill Walton's second favorite NBA player. You know who's coming out next year, right? Dave Wright. Dave. Thomas Walsh is coming out next year. I totally forgot about Tom Welsh. I'm sorry. That's his other that's his other kid. But that's the team next year. We're all NBA draft today and we'll be all NBA draft reaction next week. All right, guys. Well thank you again for listening and joining us on whatever it's gonna be called, the Bruins something. And we have had such a great time. Nick Pope, Colin Yee. Next week at this time the Lakers will have Lonzo Ball. <laughs> It's going to be great. That Bruin LA connection. Until next time, go Bruins.